Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you. Happy Thursday, everyone, February the 11th. Hope all of you are doing well. Good to be back, uh, rolling out a podcast. Um, honestly, ha- have not had much to say within the last week. I've sort of been monitoring some things, and uh, I know the hot debate on the internet has been about the basketball program, the men's basketball program, and uh, obviously the women had a disappointing loss to UConn. And uh, you know, I could have gotten on here and talked about that, but I'm I'm staying out of the Frank Martin debate right now. Um, I think it's just a tough call because I can kind of see both sides of it. And that's, that's rare for me. I usually take one side or the other, but you know, in, in some ways I'll look at it and say, well, this, this season's just been unacceptable uh, relative to the players they have the, the year that it is in his tenure uh, and all that. I definitely see those points. Um, but then I can also see that this has been a, a very unique year in terms of COVID and the, issues they've had with practice and and things like that uh i do understand it's a bottom line business but uh and i and i don't know what the solution is i mean i I don't i don't know that you make another coaching change in a major sport this season uh, for financial reasons but i also don't know that you know if frank martin got the miami job that you know everybody wouldn't be happy and, and ready to roll um including Frank Martin. I, I just don't know. I, I don't know enough uh, about exactly what the challenges have been in, in terms of how that applies to the product on the court uh, to really say much. You know, I know football didn't have a lot of these problems until the last three games after Muschamp got fired and all that. Um, you know, in terms of, of COVID, you know, they handled COVID probably as good as anybody uh, in the country and still finished with, with the record they did. And, you know, it's, it, it is a bottom line business. So that's kind of how I've stayed out of it. Uh, but we're going to talk a little football today. I do have a basketball question, I think, in the mailbag that I will answer. It's big picture. Uh, but that that's why, you know, when, and when I don't have anything to say, I'm not just going to sit there and blabber the thing. This is, this is almost, uh, you know, bonus content in some ways. It's not a subscription product. It's, uh, there's no advertisers, so – you know, it's just one of those things where we just kind of sit back and, and do it when we can uh, and all that good stuff. But we do have some mailbag questions, uh, a couple coming up from some of our great emailers inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com or tweet to at the Big Spur pod uh, to get those answers. But all right, so I want to talk about football and they released the spring roster and I was actually quite impressed uh, that, you know, South Carolina really didn't lose as many people as as maybe you think, even some guys, you know, I, I think about a guy like Rosendo Lewis that's been hurt the whole time, or, or Ranricus Davis who's been hurt <laughs> uh, his whole career, who was part of Will Muschamp's first recruiting class who opted out last year, or, or Trey Smith or Mark Fox who opted out last year. You know, a lot of these guys really, you know, you, you think about it, it would made, it would make, would have made perfect sense for them to move on during a coaching transition, uh, and they didn't. Um, the guys that left by and large were, you know, must champ guys. I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, Jamie Robinson and Kier Thomas and uh, John Dixon were not guys that could have come in and played next year for the Gamecocks. 
and help the team. Uh, obviously, you had Ernest Jones uh, declaring for the NFL draft early. Uh, you know, not going to say that, that they couldn't have used him, but by and large, when you look at it, the, the portal did not hurt Carolina as much as possible, as much as it possibly could. And and I sit there and look at the 2020 recruiting class, all of which got a red shirt last year. So, you know, there was no uh, red shirting or not red shirting. Now, the, the roster that was released, uh, because they have not gotten guidance from the NCAA, uh, the university went ahead and updated everybody's eligibility or class that they're in in terms of, you know, like Luke Doty's listed as a sophomore, but he's really a redshirt freshman. So, you know, and, and there was only one guy out of that recruiting class that left, and that was Micaiah Scott, who, who went to Georgia Tech, who didn't really play a whole lot last year, not saying he wouldn't have, not saying they didn't need him. Uh, but uh, that's a pretty good number when you're going through a coaching transition uh, and you have a class like that that was ranked 19th in the country, a lot of guys that were highly recruited in that class. Um, and, and so that's a good start. So I've been going through the roster and, you know, just looking at it, spitballing it right now. And um, I do this because it's, you know, I, I could break down talent pretty much and um, pretty much can, uh, you know, bat about 700 when it comes to players. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but 700. Uh, is a pretty good number when it comes to this game. Uh, I think that's the number when I kind of look back through my career and say, who did I really stand on the table for? And, you know, in those instances, was I right or wrong? Um, you know, but just looking at it, you know, I, I, I think that when you look at the, the the talent on the roster, number one, I think it's clear that, you know, in terms of just personnel and options and and, and players, you know, the, the situation Shane Beamer inherits is a little bit better than the situation Will Muschamp inherited and a little bit better than the situation Steve Spurrier inherited from Lou Holtz. If you remember, with, with Spurrier, there was just a ton of attrition uh, and a ton of guys that were actually good players talent-wise that just they had to kick them off the team for or suspend them for whatever reason. Uh, you guys remember that first year? It looked like uh, you had Demetrius Summers and Corey Boyd as that first backfield for the Gamecocks, and Boyd got suspended for the year, and Summers got kicked off the team. Um, you know, they didn't know what they had in Sidney Rice. Uh, you had to start Travis Lee, Noah Whiteside that first game. They had Savelle uh, Newton, of course. But um, I, I think that there were probably more playmakers that Spurrier inherited because you also had – I believe in the secondary, Fred Bennett, Jonathan Joseph, and Co. Simpson, all NFL guys. Um, and Muschamp didn't have that. But, uh, you know, so so maybe it's debatable when you go back to what Holtz left. I mean, it may be kind of a similar situation, uh, just in different positions. Uh, because there are some positions you look at and go, things are in pretty good shape. Um, and, and with Muschamp, I, I think you looked at it, and there were some guys in the secondary that were pretty good, and there's some guys that weren't. Uh, linebacker, there were some guys that were pretty good, some guys that weren't. Sky Moore, remember, kind of like Corey Boyd was with, with Spurrier, Sky Moore didn't play that first year of 2016. He got hurt. Um, they had to play almost all freshman receivers. Uh, running back, their best player was a freshman, Rico Dowdle. Quarterback was two true freshmen and a walk-on. Uh, the offensive line was somewhat veteran, but – you know, those guys really weren't all that good. Um, so, so you kind of look at it and, and, you know, you kind of go with, through what Shane Beamer's inherited and, and you, you actually see some guys that, 
hey, you know, they, they got a pretty good chance. Um, and that's not across the board. And so what I would say after looking at the roster is this. This is not a one-year-and-you're-back type of rebuild by any stretch. You know, I'm not, I'm not predicting Carolina will win the SEC East next season. <laughs> uh, I, I think that – and I think when you talk in terms of a build at South Carolina – that's what you're always building toward is to get back to that range where, where they were under Spurrier for those years where you're competing for Atlanta year in and year out, uh, where you're going to Atlanta. Uh, I, I think that's what it's all about. I, I think that that's the most attainable goal for the University of South Carolina in football is winning the division. And you have to win the division before you can start talking about anything else. Uh, and sure, you can beat Clemson uh, without winning the division, but – you'd probably feel like you got a better chance against the Tigers if you're if you're the best team uh, out of Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Missouri, Kentucky, Vandy, all those schools. So, you know, I, I think South Carolina's first goal as they march back towards relevance in the division, because right now you're sitting on a two-game losing streak to Missouri. Kentucky's beat you six out of seven. Two-game losing streak to Tennessee. Uh, Vandy's about the only school Carolina's had a lot of success against. Um especially when you talk about recent years. So, so you know, the, that that's the first order of business is you, you got to get back to where, okay, South Carolina, because South Carolina as a program and as a job, I think most would, would say South Carolina is a better job than Missouri and a better job than Kentucky. Uh, and in some cases, it's a better job than Tennessee. Uh, I think apples to apples right now, Tennessee's probably the better job because of more tradition and, resources and things like that but with their problems uh, especially off the field as you can see a lot of coaches have shied away from from coaching there and and that's that's un, it's unfortunate in a way because you know you have to think institutionally they're just trying to do the right thing and get through and you have to think that you know if you stick with that job it'll turn uh but but i don't know man i mean it's been this is 2021 what we've been talking about this since 2008 with tennessee that's 13 years. So, you know, you have to kind of see what happens. <laughs> uh, but the reason I say that is to say this about South Carolina. That, that, that's, that's who you got to target. I mean, you know, right now, everybody, of course, wants to beat Clemson. Uh, the Georgia game is obviously very important every single year. South Carolina had a very fortunate win over them, so you don't have a huge long losing streak against the Bulldogs. Um you know, and, and that's all well and good. Those are the teams you always want to beat. Uh, you know, got North Carolina coming up in 2023. Uh, that's going to end up being a pretty good ball game up in Charlotte uh, if the trajectories remain the same. But but I, I'm telling you, you know, you, you got to get back to that point. You got to crawl before you can walk. And and I think that's that's, you know, competing with those teams where, you know, in the division. I think that is a goal that is very achievable when you look at this roster. Now, some questions have to be answered, of course, uh, and we're going to go through those. Okay, so first of all, when you talk about South Carolina's offense, we statistically struggled last year, and, and there are a lot of reasons for that. Namely, there wasn't a lot of talent at receiver, and that all obviously has to change. You know, you had Kevin Harris and Shai Smith, sometimes Nick Muse, and that was about it. Uh, obviously, Colin Hill – uh, you know, and I know there are some of you that are of the opinion he didn't play well at all the whole year, but, you know, he, he played pretty well to start with and then got progressively worse, then had a, a rebound game against Ole Miss, and then we saw what happened against Missouri. They couldn't go anywhere. So that was the end of Colin Hill at quarterback. 
Uh, you can't blame the whole offense on Colin Hill. You probably can't even blame 25% of it on him. But uh, that's just kind of how it went. And uh, so, you know, that was not a good offense last year. But, you know, wh- what you have is a new scheme. Uh, and this new scheme, I think, for those of you that weren't a fan of, of, of what Mike Bobo had to do last year, which was get in the eye and run it and do some power football, throwback football, uh, I think those of you that feel like, you know, the answer to all of South Carolina's problems is, you know, to go and uh, run a, a wide open modern style attack. I think you're going to like this. Uh, and, and I think that you're going to probably like it better than, than what Brian McClendon tried to do, which was also a wide open attack. I think, you know, when you talk about the principles that they're kind of blending together, it's all kind of based in the air raid passing game wise, but also with a power running game. Um, and, and the ability to use versatile players uh, in, in positions to where they can make plays. And I think that's important in South Carolina because, you know, South Carolina gets a lot of receiver talent from within the state. And the state puts out a lot of receiver talent. Uh, I don't think there's any question when you look back through the years uh, and you see the great players at South Carolina and Clemson both, you know, they got Nuke Hopkins and Mike Williams. Uh, who are really, really good players. South Carolina's got Sidney Rice and Alshon Jeffrey and Bruce Ellington. Uh, even Nick Jones is a good player. Bring it on up through Brian Edwards and Debo Samuel. Take it all the way back to Troy Williamson. Uh, you know, the state of South Carolina produces really good receiver talent. It's a, it's a high-hit state when it comes to that. Uh, but I, I think that it's hard when you're trying to build sometimes to get out of this state and to beat Clemson, you know, like they got Adam Randall for 2021 because Clemson's done really well at that spot as far as producing NFL guys from all over. It's hard to say, okay, you know, here's our T Higgins and Justin Ross and Amari Rogers and, and away we go. That's difficult to do. But what I do think you can find are guys that you can plug into different spots within the scheme of an offense and find matchup problems that are athletic enough to make plays and, and, and to make your offense go like H backs or, you know, what some schemes call ponies, which are basically you're going to running back types of guys that play in the slot. Sometimes that type of guy, that type of guy is, is, is around in, in the state of South Carolina and in the recruiting footprint, footprint, quite frankly, and on the roster. So here's what you're starting out with uh, right now. As things stand today, South Carolina has two really good running backs returning. I know Marshawn Lloyd is not taking a snap yet in college, but I think we can all agree he's good. Uh, I think we can all agree Kevin Harris had a really good year last year uh, with the the SEC's lead in rushing yardage. Kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, So you got Harris, you got Lloyd. I think Rashad Amos played well in spurts. As a Quandre White is still at running back, I think he can give you some carries and Obviously, they bring in Caleb McDowell, who's kind of that pony type of athlete that I talked about earlier. So, so you got you got a pretty good bunch of running backs. Now, one injury, two injuries here, that changes. You know, I don't think it's a – I think there will be a drop-off past Lloyd and Harris. Uh, nothing against Amos and nothing against White. I think they're good players, but there's a drop-off. Uh, so you got that. There are 17 offensive linemen scholarship-wise in the program right now. That's a big – that's a number of South Carolina – yeah, you talk about what Will Muschamp inherited. I think they were sitting at about 11. You know, you, you talk about what Steve Spurrier inherited. Man, they started Brooke Antonio, who was a walk-on 
uh, at one of the guard spots that opening game against UCF. And, and we all know Carolina struggled mightily up front uh, for a while that year before they kind of pieced it together and figured it out. I think you had Nashawn Goddard and Jabari Levy at tackle, but the interior was just blah, and that, that was really dangerous for the type of offense Spurrier wanted to run. Well, you don't have that. I mean, you know, do you, do you have guys that individually have been world beaters? No. And guys, there have been guys that have been up and down, but you, you've seen for the last, better part of the last two years, you know, especially with guys like Joe Von Gwynn, you know, at, in moments, not all the time, because there were times they struggled, in moments they're really good, high-level guys. Um. And you bring back, I think, nine guys that have started at least one game, uh, basically five starters, even though you lose to Darius Hutcherson. You get Jordan Rhodes back. Um, Greg Atkins probably inherits the best situation from a depth and talent standpoint on the roster. Not saying it is the best, you know, group on the roster in terms of future NFL players and all that. But what you want, when you're talking about offensive line, you want older guys. You want athletic guys, you know, and guys that are experienced and, and they can kind of be cohesive and and all that. So so there you go. That 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 in and of itself is a good place to start on offense. You know, is that going to mean 45 points a game? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, I think it could mean some rushing yards uh, next year for sure. So then you look at the quarterback situation. I, I You know, I would be concerned uh, if it were just Luke Doty coming back because you're you kind of hang in your head on, hat on him and what if he gets hurt. But, you know, Jason Brown comes in. He's a different type of quarterback. Um, whoever wins that job, you know, they're kind of make small adjustments to the offense and, and, and away you go. So I, I, I think it's good for Doty to have competition. And I think Brown's got some talent. Now, can he adjust to the speed of the game at this 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 level? That, that's a question that's to be determined. So, you know, I, I don't think there's as many question marks at quarterback. Obviously, that thing has to play out well for Carolina to be good because that, that's the most important position on the field. But I, I have a lot of faith in Luke Doty, and I think, you know, without Washington play yet, I have a lot of faith in Jason Brown. Well, just, uh, you know, my, my gut says, you know, this kid's going to do pretty well. You know, so, so so we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens there. That brings us to receiver. <laughs> and obviously that was an issue last year, but South Carolina has 18 receivers right now listed on the roster, 13 scholarship guys. And that's before Omega Blake comes in. Um, so <laughs> uh, my question is, is Justin step, you know, is this going to be a situation where Justin step can squeeze, you know, the, the, the maximization out of some guys uh, and, and get them good. And that didn't happen last year. You had shy Smith, that was kind of it. Xavier Leggett had some moments, then he gets hurt, goes away. Jalen Brooks gets eligible, looks completely lost the first game, has a bad case of the drops for weeks. Uh, did look like he belonged athletically, but certainly not a, a complete receiver uh, as he went through an adjustment. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have a chance. That doesn't mean Xavier Leggett doesn't have a chance. You know, th these guys aren't terrible players. They just need – coaching up and they need to just play better at their position. Uh, they're not terrible football players or athletes. They're, they're, they're good athletes and good football players uh, that just weren't good receivers. How about that? <laughs> uh, and so that's up to Justin Steph, who I think's you know, one of the best in the country uh, to get that out of them. What are they going to get out of the and Joiner this year? What's he going to do exactly uh, in, in the scheme of things? Uh, Rico Powers, Jakari Caldwell, 
you know, all these guys, you know, and then you got a Marion Brown coming in from Georgia tech, who I think will instantly come in and, you know, be shy Smith at the very least. Uh, and then you got EJ Jenkins, who I, I think's a very intriguing player at six, seven, two forty two. Um, but he's coming from St. Francis, just like Brown is. And, uh, Jason Brown, the quarterback. And so you, you just, you don't want to sit there and anoint him right now before you see how he's going to adjust to the speed of the game. It's a different speed. Now he's a freak. He's a freak athlete. But again, like I said, it's not like the other guys aren't great athletes either. They're just not good receivers. So, so what kind of receiver is he going to be? So that's a, that's a big question there too. So, so you look at the numbers and and you think, well, they could probably put something together here. Okay, this is this is not a situation where I think it will be ideal, uh, and I don't think there's a situation where we're going to sit there and you know be talking about how great the Carolina receivers are uh, as a whole. But I do think there's a chance that there's going to be some guys that step up so South Carolina can have a passing game that is somewhat competent. And beyond that, you know, so, so, so we've gone through this. So, so what running back is a check offensive line. Good there. It's a check quarterback. There's going to be a battle, but there's more depth and that's a good thing. You know, wide receiver is a big question mark, but you got a bunch of guys, you know, and a new coach. So you take your chances there. Um, and then you got the tight end H back position. Well, uh, Nick Muse is coming back. Nick Muse was, you know, a, a guy that did drop some balls, but also made his share of plays. And it's his third year at Carolina. And he's not dealing with a, an appeal to come in, and he's not coming off an ACL this year. And, you know, his brother's in the NFL, and I think he would like to go there. So, uh, you know, I, I think Nick Muse has a shot, you know, to be a guy that, that makes some things happen. I also think that when you look at the H-back type guys, Jaheim Bell and Kevion Mullins, you know, you look at how they use those guys at Oklahoma, that's the position Shane Beamer coached. Uh, and there you see it again, you know, well, that's those are matchup guys. And, and that's a lot of times, you know, you heard about, you know, why Jaheim Bell was going to be good, why Kevion Mullins was going to be good under the old regime and, and the matchup guys, but you never saw that materialize in a game. You know, this offense is designed, and I'm not saying Mike Bobo's wasn't, but but they're going to get the ball in, in, in people's hands, you know, especially if they're lacking a little at, wide, at the traditional wideout spot. Uh, and you saw that at Oklahoma uh, with the, the H-backs and the way they performed. And quite frankly, if you're going back and, you know, talking about the Joe Brady offense, you know, Thaddeus Moss uh, was that kind of guy tied in, you know, for them. And so – uh, at LSU the one year he was there. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, you got questions at wide receiver. If you, if you want to – I think you got to put a question mark at quarterback because you don't know who it's going to be yet. But I think it's positive. It's a check mark if, if they're having a battle. Uh, I think tied in H-back because Muse is coming back. I mean, you're, you're that's relatively deep for that spot. Uh, I think that's a plus or a check mark, you know. So, so you got a check mark at running back, a check mark at offensive line, question mark, and a check mark at quarterback because that's a battle. Big question mark at receiver, uh, and then I think a check mark, maybe a borderline check mark at tight end and H back. And those are all your positions. Uh, not going to go through and grade the special teams. South Carolina does return its place kicker, its punter, 
uh, and they have several guys that I think can return kicks, you know, starting with DeCarry and Joyner. I, I think that, you know, he did not make a bunch of plays at receiver last year. Uh, but I think as a kick returner, you know, he, he did some good things, especially the the big one against Kentucky. They, Carolina didn't have very many kickoff returns. Um, so I think that's the hope. And then, you know, who knows with punt returner how, how that's going to play out and who that's going to end up being when all is said and done. I, you know, I know it was Jamie Robinson last year. So, so maybe Caleb McDowell as a true freshman. Um, I, say, I say it a lot. I mentioned true freshman a lot as punt returners, and then it never materializes. So who knows who it will be? Maybe Amari and Brown, uh, who knows? But but special teams-wise, if you if you look at the, both kickers coming back, you know, that's a pretty good deal, uh, I think, you know, when you're talking about that. Um, so special teams, offense, you know, that that's not bad. You're, you're in the ball game, right? So go on defense, defensive line, and I wrote an article about this today on the Big Spur. You know, you start looking and – all, all of a sudden, lo and behold, <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of guys coming back. And, you know, and, and again, it may be a surprise in, in a certain – to a certain extent, you know, that the J.J. Anibare came back. I mean, he was a guy that probably could have been, been drafted. He's an edge rusher. He was all SEC second team. He's 6'4", 260. Obviously a really good player. But, but he's coming back. And, and, I, and I think, you know, as far as he goes, he can really increase his draft stock uh, if he gets better against the run. Um, so you look at him. Now, this is a four-two-five alignment, uh, basically more of a one-gap scheme. Uh, so you look at him. Uh, and then on the other side, you, it's not a reach to say Jordan Birch at 6'6", 270. Uh, and those are pretty two good bookends. You know, you, I think Birch flashed. I think it was kind of a tough year with COVID and, you know, being a freshman and all that good stuff. But but he's back and obviously has a world of talent. Uh, and then you have two ru- edge rushers behind th- them uh, that may be more package guys than Aaron Sterling. Uh, we all remember him. He was hurt most of the year last year, but he's a good specialized pass rusher. And then Jordan Strong comes in from Georgia State, and he he tied for the nation's lead in sacks last year with 10 and a half. You go beyond that, and we're still on the edge, and you got Tonka Hemingway, who, I, for my money, uh, down to down, played really solid for a true freshman last year, number 91. Uh, sometimes I had to look and be like, who's 91? Oh, that's Tonka Hemingway. Um, and he's now had a year in a weight room, weight program, all that. Uh, and then this guy, Gilbert Edmond, who had to play linebacker, uh, some toward the end of last year because that position was completely gutted. Uh, he's six five two thirty. They got him to play linebacker because he was kind of a hands in the in the dirt guy. And then lo and behold, he's he's a big, tall, lanky. I mean, th- this guy could end up being in a couple of years a 250, 260 pound edge rusher himself. Um, and then even behind those guys, you got Rodriguez Fitton and Tyreek Johnson, who you know have had injuries, who are young and all that. Uh, so there's your there's your edge guys and so then <laughs> you go inside and, and you got Zach Pickens and, and I think Zach Pickens played well last year I'm not going to sit here and get into a great debate about whether or not he's a five played like a five-star or whatever I mean there's players that you know are five-star defensive tackles that actually play that way uh, and they and they show they show show it a little bit because they have great players around them on defense you know 
Um, Christian Wilkins from Clemson comes to mind. You know, Christian Wilkins, you kind of used to look at his stats and go, well, they're not overwhelming on defense. But, hey, everybody loved the fact that he caught passes on the goal line. And he was part of a great defense and uh, really played well, I thought. Uh, Zach Pickens doesn't have Dexter. Didn't have Dexter Lawrence beside him though, or Cleveland Farrell on the edge last year. Uh, so I think he's back. You know, can 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 Jimmy Lindsay get more out of Rick Sandage, or, or is Rick Sandage going to be a, a flash player where he just flashes sometimes and he's not that consistent? You know, MJ Webb I think's a, a guy that has did did one of the few guys last year that got better. Um, Jabari Ellis played well in spurts. He's undersized. Uh, then you got Jakeem Green, uh, who, I mean, we all love Jakeem Green's JUCO film. We, we, you know, he didn't produce that well at Nebraska, but <laughs> you know, if he can get back to that, if he's back home and more comfortable, who knows? And then you got four more guys: Boogie Huntley, promising young player, great feet; Nick Barrett, who's a true freshman who will be uh, in for spring. He's already on campus from Goldsboro, North Carolina, 6'2", 310. Good leverage player. They have the ability to get in. And then Devontae Davis is still there, 6'3", 305. He struggled with bad injuries and then personal situations. But he, uh, you know, he's back and good. Um, and I'm not back and good to go is what I mean to say. Somebody's going to take that. So you said he was good. Um, and then if he's 16, you're, you're not going to be happy. Uh, but I do know this. I know Devontae Davis, you know, the off-the-field issues uh, that you hear about, were no, it was nothing like that he – like he didn't get in trouble or anything like that. It was just, you know, situ- it was private situations that, that were not indicative. I mean, I don't want to put a stigma on the guy. Uh, Will Muschamp actually said he's had some off-the-field stuff he's dealing with, so – I don't feel bad saying that, but it, it wasn't anything like he got in trouble or anything like that. And then T.J. Sanders comes in from Marion. That guy's got a bunch of upside. I don't know if he'll play at all this year, but uh, 6'5", 275, long arms, great athlete. You know, so, so you, you look at the complete picture on the D-line, and, and there's where you start. I mean, if you don't have an offensive line and a defensive line, uh, you know, you're not going to win very many games if you're if you're weak on either side. Um, I think that uh, if you if you're good on both sides of the line of scrimmage, that doesn't mean you're going to win games in the SEC. But I'd rather go to battle with, with those with some options there and some talent there than not. And I and I think when you look at the combination of the players that are remaining plus the players Beamer brought in and the staff brought in, and you're in pretty good shape, pretty good shape on the defensive line. Uh, very curious to see how Mike Peterson and, and Jimmy Lindsay uh, combined to coach this line. I'm, you know, the 4-2-5 with Clayton White is going to be different than the 4-2-5 under Ellis Johnson. Uh, very curious to see how all this works um, and comes together. So can't wait for spring ball to kind of see where some of these guys play. So I'm telling you, if you're looking for a sleeper here, a, a short-term sleeper, the guy nobody's talking about is probably Tonka Hemingway. You know, just because when our, when you review last year, you're like, man, that guy, 91 was really solid. Uh, and then a long-term sleeper is Gilbert Edmond because, you know, already 6'5", 2'3". I mean, I, I could just see with the length and the frame, you know, that guy's going to end up being – 
you know, pretty solid. So that's the D line. Now we get to linebacker. And so this is a question mark. Um, it, and then, like I said, it, it hurt losing Ernest Jones. This position uh, by the end of last year was a complete mess uh, because of opt outs, guys leaving, um, guys getting hurt. Um, it was a mess, and, and they needed some help here uh, through the portal and, and, and through wherever. Uh, and I'm curious to know, too, when you talk about the, the back at seven, you know, on, on defense with Clayton White, like who, who, what, what is the, the, what we call the spur spot? Is number one, is it going to be the spur? Is it going to be the nickel? What are you going to call it? Probably be the spur. What, what is that? What, who's, who, what are the types of guys that are going to be there? Cause I think we automatically revert back and go, well, you know, middle-sized linebackers that can cover. So, you know, you, you take Jamar Brown from the linebackers uh, and you take um, you, you take R.J. Roderick from the defensive backs and, okay, there's your Spurs. And I tend to agree with that line of thinking, but I don't know enough about exactly what that position is going to be uh, to intelligently say that. Uh, you know, freshman Debo Williams from Delaware, obviously people are impressed with his film and his workout ability. You know, Jabar Brown is coming back. You know, he he's a guy that they he was injured, then they got him back from injury, and then he got hurt again. You know, Brad Johnson. You know, what are they going to do with him? Because I think he struggled mightily at the Sam linebacker spot last year. Is he a guy that can play anywhere else? I mean, is he going to be a a player where they have a Sam? You know, and he's in there. I think Damani Staley. Is probably your backup at Mike um, and, and can obviously give you a lot of snaps. He's played a lot of football. Uh, I don't know that he's an every-down guy, uh, but I, I've seen guys like Damani Staley that you, you say that about, and then they get to their fourth or fifth year, and he's in his fifth, and, you know, they have a great senior season. So so I'm not counting him out. Muhammad Kaba came in with a lot of uh, – a lot of I don't want to say hype, but a lot of expectations – uh, I was told last year in practice and stuff, he kind of had a ways to go, but there's a new staff now. And, you know, a lot of guys make a big jump between their their freshman and sophomore year. And, and, I, and I'll say this too, you know, he, he was a guy that got hurt his senior year of high school that was kind of behind the eight ball, worked his way in, and then was forced to play a whole lot. You have a walk-on Daryl Ware, who got a lot of snaps last year. Sherrod Green comes back. I, I could – see him fitting at one of the spots. And then uh, Rosendo Lewis and Spencer Eason Riddle also comes back. Uh, Spencer Eason Riddle, I think, at the very least, you're going to see him all over special teams. Uh, but I think when he plays linebacker, he's, he's really a guy that, that can make some things happen. So the, the, you, you just don't know because you don't know. So is Jamar Brown going to be a spur nickel type guy or is he going to be a linebacker or Will or Mike? Uh, what are they going to get out of Rosendo Lewis? Can Rosendo Lewis be the Mike? Can, can, are you going to go out there and we see Rosendo Lewis and Muhammad Kaba uh, as the Mike and Will linebacker? You know, is Sherrod Green, where, where is he going to play? You know, uh, so those are a lot of questions. So there's a lot of question marks with linebacker. Uh, especially along the lines of where is everybody going to play. And, and with some of these guys that were highly rated and highly recruited, wh- wh- where are they truly at? Now, we know Rosendo Lewis was a four-star linebacker coming out. 
had a great Under Armour All-American game, one of the most instinctive linebackers in his class. Carolina flipped him from Florida State. Uh, we also know he's never been healthy his whole time at Carolina. And in 2018, when he was forced to play hurt, he looked slow because he didn't know what he's doing. You know, this is a, what it, you know, there's the question mark about that guy. Muhammad Kaba, long way to go at the end of last year. How, what kind of a jump is he going to make this year? You know, Sherrod Green, we've seen him up and down, up and down, up and down. Can he cycle up for his final year? Uh, I mean, and I mentioned you to the Debo Williams kid out of Delaware. I'm, I'm equally as optimistic about him as anybody, but he's a freshman. And he's a freshman coming in. I've seen freshman linebackers with his physique and, and his love of hitting <laughs> uh, play at a high level as a freshman, uh, especially when there's the opportunity. But th- that's not somebody you can just pencil in. So there's all the question marks there. And then the secondary is even the, is the same way. I mean, it, it's I don't want to say even worse. By the way, I didn't mention Eric Shaw when we were talking about the, the tight ends and H-backs. That guy, he's back on offense now. Uh, certainly keep an eye on him. Certainly keep an eye on Eric Shaw because <laughs> uh, he's one of the better athletes on the team. You know, so, so you go back and you look at the DBs, and, and it's the same thing with the linebackers. You know, Cam Smith and Jalen Dickerson, those are two guys that everybody was excited about when they signed. Uh, Cam Smith, I thought uh, one of the best things that happened to him as far as his development went last year is he was forced to play a bunch of snaps, and he ended up kind of coming into his own. Uh, I remember Sheldon Brown when he was a sophomore, freshman, maybe a freshman. It was 98. It was Brad Scott's last year. So he was, yeah, he was a, he was a, a freshman, I think redshirt freshman. And, you know, he had, he had played a little bit, wasn't really a starter. And then, you know, they go down to the swamp toward the end of that year. And it was, a, it was one of those games where it was closer than it should have been 33, 14, something like that. And, and Sheldon Brown made an interception down there in the swamp against Spurrier and the Gators in 98. Uh, and, and then we saw how good he ended up being moving forward. Uh, Sheldon Brown, one of the best ever to play at Carolina and then had a great NFL career. Uh, well, before that, those plays that kind of got him going when he was a youngster, you know, you didn't hear much from him. So so Cam Smith, although we, we heard you know, he, he didn't play all that well <laughs> against Tennessee at the beginning of last year, Tennessee, um, you know, he, he had some good plays down the stretch. And so when you think about it from that standpoint, sometimes you got to get out there and struggle. And then once you start getting, you know, all it takes is one or two plays and you get that confidence. Uh, Jalen Dickerson, to me, looked, you know, every time I've seen him play when he's been healthy in 2018, he's looked good. I thought early part of 2020, he looked good. And just, you know, can he stay healthy? Six foot one, he's 190 pounds. Uh, he's a guy Torian Gray, I think, can get the most out of, but but health is an issue. Uh, and then there's R.J. Roderick, who is another one of those guys that you know, who knew if he were coming back, he was coming back or not, because he just got up and opted out once once Muschamp got fired. But he's back. I think he took a lot of a lot of heat last year, and uh, some was some some of it was on him, some of it was just being put in bad situations. So. You know, what, what's he going to do? Where, where is he going to be? And Torian Gray, I think, can figure that out for him uh, as far as 
you know, what, what's the best move to maximize him and, and get him to where, you know, he's not, a, a, you know, thinking he's a liability or whatever. And so, so those are kind of the core guys you got coming back. I think that Isaiah Norris, they're bringing in from Juco. Uh, he gets in this summer, depending on how big he is. Because uh, he's listed at 170. Is he less than that? Is he more than that? Uh, I think he's got the skills to come in and compete for a starting job. Uh, I don't know, you know, what exactly, you know, how, how exactly that's going to play out. Because, like I said, I don't know how big the kid is. Uh, but I, just going off of his film, uh, I think that would be fine. Um, you know, I mentioned linebackers earlier. I didn't mention Colby Fields coming in from Louisiana as a freshman. Uh, I think that guy could at least help on special teams. Uh, staying in the secondary, Ladarian Craig comes in from Mobile, Alabama. Uh, you know, don't count this kid out. I, I think that, you know, David Spalding, I'm not, you know, with Spalding, I think he's still a developmental guy. He's got a long way to go to play. You know, I think he's still got four more years. Uh, so I, I don't know that he's an immediate guy. Uh, and then the second year guys, I think are going to make it or break it. I mentioned Marcellus Dial, six foot 190 out of Woodruff. You know, my question about him, is he a corner? Is he a safety? And, and that's my question, too, with all these second-year guys. You can even throw David Spalding into that, although I think Spalding is a corner. Uh, O'Donnell Fortune, Dominic Hill, Joey Hunter, because they all got cross-trained last year. and they, they never really stuck. I think Hunter played some corner uh, mostly, and then Fortune went back and forth, and Hill went back and forth. Uh, I know this. I know Joey Hunter uh, has the ability to be a good big corner uh, I think O'Donnell Fortune uh, will definitely hit you. Uh, Dominic Hill is definitely fast. Uh, I just don't know where they all fit. You know, th- there's a lot of guys here that you just don't know much about. So you can shake them all up and uh, sort of throw them into to a pile and, and see how it works. And then you add Craig and Norris to the mix in the summer. But uh, And then you don't know, too, with this position. You know, I mentioned there, there's there's 13 scholarship receivers. Uh not all those guys are going to play in the games. I mean, could you see a guy uh, come over? And, and I'll mention this guy too, Darius Rush, uh, on on the in the defensive back group. I you know I I think he he's a guy that they've probably gotten more. They're probably going to get more out of than you anticipated, uh, especially on special teams. But you know, don't count him out either. I mean, like I said, it's shake them all up. You know, don't count out Fabian Goodman, Andre Goodman's son either. I mean, just. Uh, this is the spot where there are a lot of names. There are a lot of unknown names. There are a lot of, but if guys names or yeah, but if guys like, but if they'd have been healthy, what would we be saying? But if this hadn't happened or that hadn't happened, but if they were used in this way, you know, a lot of guys like that in the secondary. So that's a question mark. So I think when you go D line linebackers, DBs on defense, you have to say, Question mark, question mark on the back end. I, I think you got to give a check to the D line because I think you you not only have good starters there, uh, I, I think you got some depth too. I mean, now I've been raving about Taka Hemingway, and he's the probably when you line it up the fifth guy. Um, you know, depending on how they use their their packages, I I, I don't want to say fifth guy, you know, because I, I do think on passing downs they probably will do something with. Strong and or Sterling, but, but you know, so maybe he's the third guy that comes in on rundowns or something like that. But the point is there's five guys there, uh, and that's before you get to the Rodriguez Fittens of the world or, uh, you know, uh, 
guys like that. So, so my point with all this is, look, <laughs> and, I, and I was on the that SEC podcast with Mike Bratton, and I started talking about how there's all these narratives in the offseason with SEC football that we we all talk about all summer, and uh, and then we just forget about you know when the season gets there. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, after Carolina won nine and uh, had a good recruiting class and, and ended up, uh, you know, uh, being the sort of off-season favorites to maybe challenge Georgia in the East, Muschamp's second year, uh, you know, that was the off-season narrative. And I think they were picked second in the division, uh, maybe third. And then the next year, it was, it was uh, in 20. 19, it was Missouri. Oh, Missouri. Missouri with with Kelly Bryant coming in from Clemson. And wow, he's a he's a championship level quarterback. And you know, th- that's all they needed. And they've got a good defense. Look at their schedule and they're gonna challenge. And you know, well, they finished six and six, and Barry Odom got fired. And they were on probation. <laughs> so that was the off-season narrative. Now this year it was Kentucky. Uh, and Kentucky did finish pretty good, six and five. But that wasn't necessarily a team that you could sit there and say was better than some of the previous Kentucky teams. I mean, my God, they got beat sixty-three to three by Alabama. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think they. You know, I, I just don't know. You know, I, I don't know nothing against Kentucky, and they had to change offensive coordinators. And you know, I don't know that it was this great year in Lexington either. Uh, so, so the off-season narrative. I here's my opinion. And, look, I've heard the Vandy hype sometimes. This is the year. Like, remember the Jay Cutler-Vandy team? I think it was 04. It was Lou Holtz's last year. And Carolina opened against them in Nashville. Everybody's talking about how Vandy's going to beat Carolina. You know, th- this is it. They got Jay Cutler. and You know, South Carolina lost 63-17 to in their last game to Clemson. And me and my buddies actually went to that game, drove to Nashville. It was the first time I'd have been to Nashville. Ended up living there seven years. Me and some some good buds of mine drove through the night to get there for the uh, the tailgating before the noon kickoff. And so, uh, you know, we get up there, and, and South Carolina just beats the bejesus out of 31-6. to six. I, I don't think Lou Holtz called a pass play, uh, you know, for, for, I mean, they, and they just kept running, you know, Demetrius Summers, here goes Corey Boyd, here goes Dacus Terman, here goes this guy, that guy, boom, boom, boom. And, and then the, you know, Carolina's defense played. Well, I think Jamacia Jackson had a big interception return. Um, so, so the, 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 my point is in the SEC, sometimes it's not good to have the offseason hype. And I mentioned Tennessee earlier and how it'd been 13 years. Now, I've heard the t- 